Welcome to the Bully Pulpit from the University of Southern California Center for the Political Future. Our podcast brings together America's top politicians, journalists, academics, and strategists from across the political spectrum for discussions on hot-button issues where we respect each other and respect the truth. We hope you enjoy these conversations. Mike Murphy, the inimitable Mike Murphy, is here with me. He and I will moderate this. Uh, Let me introduce our panelists. Uh, Jennifer Cryer is my colleague in the Department of Political Science and International Relations at USC Dornsite. Carla Marinucci is a senior writer for Politico's California Playbook. Seema Mehta is a political writer for the Los Angeles Times. Both of them have covered presidential campaigns, uh, statewide campaigns, and are following the recall very closely. Roger Salazar is a media and communications consultant and president of ALSA Strategies, and he was once press secretary for Governor Gray Davis. So I'm going to just throw out a more kind of general question and let you all have a whack at it. What generated this recall, and what was the rocket fuel that got this long-shot effort on the ballot? Anybody can start. Well, I think we should remember that there were a half a dozen efforts to recall Gavin Newsom before this one took. Um, The original applications for those recalls uh, were about issues like immigration, um, gas tax, had nothing to do with COVID. Um, It was COVID that was a rocket fuel, and it was the French laundry that lit the fire, essentially. Um, Do my fellow panelists agree here? (laughs) And also, I mean, I think we also have to remember that the uh, recall backers went to the courts to get four extra months for signature gathering, and the Newsom campaign did not you know, argue with that. So that four extra months coincided perfectly with the worst of COVID, school closures, business closures, um, rising hospital rates, and uh, just frustrated parents and you know, just frustrated Californians. And that's also exactly when, um, as Carla mentioned, you know, Newsom had his uh, infamous French laundry dinner shortly after he was selling all of the rest of us to you know, not have you know, multifamily gatherings for Thanksgiving. So I think all, it was like a perfect storm of timing with these three events. Yeah, I, I completely agree with the, with, with both sentiments there. Uh, and and uh, again, uh, it's no secret that the Republicans have been have been trying to to uh, uh, ever since Gavin Newsom was was elected, uh, figure out a way to uh, you know to to engage the recall process. It is the you know the, as a, as a minority party in California, it is the one tool, the really the only tool. Uh, they have, uh, you know, to try and uh, exert any sort of uh, influence in California anymore. Uh, so they were trying to figure out any way at, at possible in which they can uh, they can a- activate the recall. Uh, um, you know that the, the we, you know, I was I was press secretary for Gray Davis when when uh, when Gray Davis was recalled, and it took the confluence of of, uh, of an energy crisis, a, a, a you know budget crisis, uh, you know all, all of those things that uh, happening at the same time to really sort of push that one over the edge. Um, um, and even then, I didn't think that one was going to be successful until Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of jumped into that into that race. The extra time that Seema mentioned that they got uh, as a result of of, uh, of, of being able to, uh, to to do so because of COVID um, uh, really was the the the, the thing that, that that pushed this thing over the top. Without those extra four months, uh, you know, would still be seeing uh, you know attempt after attempt for for a recall of Gavin Newsom. We also have to consider the polarization that's kind of rampant in in the state right now. And the reason COVID took is because nationally it's so, so polarized. So the opportunity to leverage the French laundry incident and to have a photo and to have a description, the governor of the state not masking up 
during a time in which masking and and abiding by COVID guidelines is kind of a political issue now um, was really the big push that they needed. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I would just chime in. This has been uh, recalls are odd and interesting to begin with. There's a perfect storm aspect, as somebody said, but this one has been kind of a U-shaped recall. Because originally there was energy on the Republican side, some DTS declined to state voters, angry at Gavin uh, over multiple things, but I think everybody's right, particularly COVID. So that got the signatures working. And then they qualified on the ballot. But then we started to have a comeback after the vaccines. People calmed down. The polls dropped. The Democrats were like, oh, this is just noisy Republican stuff. We're going to crush it. Though Gavin still had fundamental problems. You can't ignore the fact that he's an unpopular governor. He has not, in my view, managed his political profile well. And then Delta came along. And all of a sudden, here we are again. When COVID surges, anybody at the top of a ballot, regardless of party, can get punished. You look at Governor DeSantis in Florida. COVID's killing him. Governor uh, Whitmer in Michigan is now in a one-point race from a pretty comfortable position. So Almost anybody in the seat, if there's a COVID surge, gets into political trouble. His problem is the the recall that he thought was dead has had this comeback. And we're talking about handicapping what might happen. And I'll go down memory lane a little bit from 2003. But this thing has been like the horror movie where you think for Gavin, where you think you kill the monster. And then all of a sudden the hand comes up through the grave. And and here we go again. Um, Now I think it's receding again a little bit in the polling. But this one has been kind of a double recall, a double surge. And, you know, we'll see if the second surge here uh, is, is enough to get them. Let me throw out another question here. How effective has the Newsom campaign been in getting a message out and persuading people to vote no? How much does this campaign matter? He has a huge financial advantage. I think, um, Bob, Mike, Mike dealt with it well, which is this this crazy up and down here. I think in the beginning, uh, Democrats and even, you know, a lot of people in the Newsom team were like, this is a, this is not going to happen. This is a long shot thing. Then it became very serious. And then they have the, they had the problem of when to have this recall. Uh, the push originally was, you know, for November, but then Democrats thought, well, his numbers are doing great. Uh, let's not wait and see what else can come down the pike in November. Let's move it up. And that seemed to become a problem. So they had to deal with educating voters on actually how to fill this ballot out um, in, in the middle of summer as other stuff is going on when they're not traditionally tuned into voting. Uh, you know, I, I had a lunch with Willie Brown where he said he went to Chinatown and a bunch of uh, the old ladies there were like, oh, I'm going to vote yes on the recall because that will help Gavin. And he was like, no, you got to vote no on the recall, that kind of thing. The, the, yes, Gavin has a ton of money, $70 million or, or whatever, more than any other Republican candidate. But the runway has been short now uh, to, to educate those voters. That's been a, a, a real challenge. And they, I mean, when they shortened it, they thought, oh, it'll be the you know fall or late summer. Things will be great. Everything will be open. Kids will be going back to school. Life will be back to normal. People will be vaccinated. And then we see, you know, half the, half the states, I mean, so much of the state is on fire right now. I mean, in addition to COVID, in addition to the Delta variant, um, there's a lot of other, you know, the like Tahoe. I mean, that's, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking what's going on up there. Um, so, you know, you can, never, you can never predict the future. And they made a bet. Um, and who knows what it'll look like in November. Um, and then also, it is confusing. And 
um, while election day is September 14th, um, you know, more than 4 million Californians have already mailed in ballots. And while we don't know how they voted, we do know a little bit about who's voting. And, you know, that more than twice as many Democrats have voted than Republicans. But young people are not voting. Like, their numbers are so low. Latinos are not voting at their at their rates. And these are two groups that traditionally are hard to turn out during non-presidential years. And, you know, clearly Team Newsom is, like, focusing on these groups. Um, but it's interesting because if you look at their messaging, they're also still, you know, they have they just put out a new ad this week with Bernie Sanders. That's, you know, trying to appeal to the most liberal part of the base. That is not trying to appeal to moderates. So it seems like, they're you know, they're they're really focused on on this one section. Um, and, you know, they have all the money in the world. But, you know, as we all know... Um, you know, we, there was no government. There was no governor Whitman. Um, so money is not determinative. Yeah. So I, I will. I will just sort of jump in uh, if you don't mind. Uh, uh, you know, on, on how effective the, the messaging has been. You know, look, uh, us Democrats are are especially California Democrats are hand ringers by our own uh, by our nature. Uh, we're always like, oh shoot, you know, what can we do? What can we do? Uh, and you know, so there there was a question. You know, again, especially given the amount of money that the the, that the Newsom uh, campaign and the, the no on the recall campaign has. Uh, you know, as to why, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of, of Democrats who are like, why aren't we, weren't we seeing these ads sooner? You, you know, let's start this process because of uh, the fact that, that it's confusing for people and because of the fact that, uh, uh, you really do need to sort of lay out vote no on the first question. And then, you know, there's a, there's always the, the recommendations from the parties and the, and the Newsom team about voting no on the, uh, leaving the second question blank or whatever the case may be. But all that education had to, has to be done in the middle of also trying to just beat back a recall. Um, so there, so the, 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 you know, the concern for, uh, you know, for a lot of, of, of us democratic political consultants and again, all of us hand ringers out there, uh, is that, all right. If, as as Seema mentioned, if you're if you've got uh, you know Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders on ads, again that's appealing to your base, which you should already have, right? Uh, now, if the if the if the if the, the intent there is to make sure that those people get out and vote because uh, they're guaranteed voters for you, then that 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 makes sense, uh, you know. Uh, but there is still. Uh, uh, as as Seema mentioned, uh, you know the, the 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 return numbers for young people and for Latinos in particular, which is a, a very big concern to me, uh, are, are not where they 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 should be. Uh, you know, uh, and and again, I don't know exactly what they're doing in their field operation. All I know is what I see on TV and what I don't see on TV or on the radio or in, on the social media. Uh, uh, you know, and and I'd like to see more out of out, out of that uh, uh, that messaging for those younger audiences and those Latino audiences. And again, maybe they've got it under control and they got it in the works. But like I said, you know, we are hand wringers by nature. So it makes me nervous. Yeah. I, I think one thing to, to also point out is that, you know, for all, all the money spent, it's really interesting that he's chosen to kind of take this aim towards the base approach, given that we know that off cycle elections favor the organized and the partisan. And so there are, broad swaths of casual voters who would likely vote Democratic um, that he's failed to reach out to, and not only young people, but communities of color and even his replacement candidates, they also don't really seem to be targeting those communities. Um, I think there was one ad by Falconer that targeted uh, Spanish-speaking voters um, so you see just this lack of interest in communicating with anyone who is not a likely voter and is not a highly politically identified and partisan voter. Yeah, it, it's, you mentioned Faulkner. The problem is for him, I think, is that he has no money. So he can broadcast a Spanish language ad. No one, you know, no one's really going to see it. It's going to be seen two or three times. 
Um, Elder is also doing Spanish language advertising, and he had an event earlier today with um, Abel Maldonado and um, Gloria Romero. So there is some stuff going on. And then also for team on the Newsom side, they um, I think they have something like a eight-figure uh, effort that's aimed at communities of color. So I do think that there's some stuff going on that you know that maybe is, does not, is not apparent um, on the surface, but there is stuff going on underneath the scenes. Gavin is the only candidate with a campaign. You know, none of the, the Republicans uh, have raised table stakes for California. Larry Elder's got something going in the polling because he's got some fame, particularly in the Republican partisan base and being on talk radio for a long time. But none of them have what would qualify as a minimum campaign on the financial organizational side. Gavin does have a campaign. I give it about a B minus, some of which is not his fault. He's in a terrible position of having the election dictated by things he can't control which is this COVID surge. People are holding him responsible for it, but there are limits to even what the governor of California can do. So you never want to be in politics where something other than you is setting the agenda. That said, they've never been able to fix Gavin. You know, they've never been able to move his numbers up. He's gotten in his own, there is a vulnerability there and the campaign hasn't been able to fix it. The good news for them is they've got the easiest single job in, in, in American politics which is reelecting a blue candidate in an overwhelmingly blue state. It requires a heartbeat and showing up on election day. Um, and they just have to make it partisan, which to their credit, they're trying to do. Because if it becomes a referendum on R versus D in California, even the badly wounded D will have the advantage. And that's what they're trying to do in the close here. And I think it's had some effect. Mike, Mike referred earlier to 2003 when he was involved in the recall. So it was Roger. Uh, I think this election is a little different than the recall in 2003 because there are a couple of metrics that are very different. Uh, Al Gore had won the state by 10 or 11 points in 2000. Uh, Joe Biden won it by nearly 30 points uh, in 2020. Gray Davis had been reelected, Roger can correct me, by a margin of 4 or 5% of the vote. Uh, uh, Gavin was elected with by a margin of 23% of the vote. So... Is the landscape enough different that it's going to help uh, Newsom maybe escape this? And I'd throw in, too, that this question about early ballots. They're two-to-one Democratic, but you don't have young people voting. You don't have Latino people voting. Can we tell anything from those early ballots? I just think when you talk about the landscape, the biggest difference from 2003 is that uh, back then, Democrats only had a 9 point advantage over Republicans in terms of voter registration. And today it's two to one. And that and many Democrats will tell you they got the math on their side and the Republicans are going to have to do you know, may, may have the energy and they and Republicans have always had more energy when it comes to voter turnout. They've been more reliable voters than Democrats. Um, so that's I think that is a major difference. And you can thank Donald Trump for that since in the last five years, the state has really uh, gone you know, heavily blue. Um, yes, the young people aren't turning out, and that's why the Bernie ad and the and the Elizabeth Warren ad. But I think um, the biggest help that Gavin Newsom has had in the last couple of weeks has been the Delta variant and the difference between the Republican candidates, the stark difference on that issue of vaccines and mandates. Um, I, I think that is where the Newsom campaign is pounding that one. That's what the, the governor is pounding. I was with him yesterday here in Oakland. Um, he is talking about that and the momentous um, landmark here in California to have 80% of the people have one shot. At this point, 
People are scared of this Delta variant and they're looking at Florida and Texas and a lot of them are going, uh, oh no, not here. And I would just add the biggest difference, some of the other big differences, California is much more democratic now than it was in 2003. It's much more diverse. It's younger. And all of, all of those things are trend lines that go towards Democrats. And secondly, there's no Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, you know, there's Caitlyn Jenner, there's Larry Elder. The two of them do not add up to an Arnold Schwarzenegger in terms of name, <laughs> in terms of the brand. You know, <laughs> I mean, there is just, I mean, maybe Oprah ran. I mean, it's just, it's really hard to think who, he's such a singular person. Um, so that's a huge, enormous difference. And then you were asking about the vote by mail. And while we know, like, the early numbers, um, you know, there's more than twice as many Democrats have voted, so that's obviously a good sign for Newsom. But what is really weird and what makes this so unusual is because back in the day, Republicans used to vote early, Democrats voted on Election Day. That was the tradition. And then uh, former President Trump just flipped that totally upside down. So now Democrats vote early. And because of his warnings about rigged elections and, you know, all these, you know, the irregularities with mail ballots, now Republicans hang on to their ballots and vote on Election Day. So... Even though we think we can draw some conclusions from what we see in the vote by mail, that has just, you know, that the voting norms have just totally flipped. So um, it is really going to depend on how, you know, how many Republicans turn out on September 14th. Yeah, there's a whole industry now of over over examining early vote numbers. Let, let me just do the numbers because this is the part of the debate. I, I'm glad that Carla brought it up just for the audience at home and, and then I'll be quiet and people can go. Back when I had hair and we were doing the recall in 2003, there were um, a registration, which doesn't mean voter because not a hence turnout and all those issues. But there were six million six hundred thousand Democrats in California. There were five million two hundred ninety thousand Republicans registered and two million three hundred fifty thousand declined to state or independence. Today, there are ten million two hundred sixty four thousand registered Democrats. And I'm proud to say under the leadership of Donald Trump, we've been able to re- increase the Republican number by 19,000 votes. So there are 3,657,000 more registered Democrats, and there are 19,000 more registered Republicans. We've been flat in a growing state. DTS has gone from 2,700,000 to 5,103,000. So again, Gavin will have to really screw up, and he'll have to have an amazing collapse in Democratic turnout to lose this thing. Could it happen? Yes. Would I bet more than a dollar right now? I don't think I would. The blue numbers are too big. Gavin could almost go into a coma tomorrow and he'd be in pretty good shape, even with all the, the trouble he's had. The numbers are too big. And if I can, if I can add, you know, again, uh, you know, the difference between 2003 and now, again, uh, um, you know, when we, when we were fighting the recall in 2003, we had just come off an election where, where Gray Davis barely beat, uh, uh, and, and with all due respect, uh, you know, a, a very, very weak Republican candidate in Bill Simon. Uh, and the fact that 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 that, that margin was so close, uh, you know, was an eye opener to, to those of us on, on Gray's campaign. Uh, you know, we were we were actually sweating it, thinking that he might not be able to pull it out, uh, you know, in the last uh, uh, you know month or so of the campaign because our numbers were so terrible. He was so deeply unpopular. And somebody mentioned earlier that uh, that Gavin's, uh, you know, popularity is down in California. It's nowhere near the numbers that that, that Gray Davis had. Uh, uh, you know, and I and I love Gray Davis, but uh, you know that 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 his numbers at the time were were just probably some of the, the the most painful numbers you can have if you're involved in the campaign at the same time uh, that you can that, that that you can see. So uh, you know that that's that in addition to the other differences that that Mike and Zima and and uh, and, uh, and Carla mentioned, uh, you know, make it a completely different uh, dynamic here. Jen, you want to weigh in on this? I think I think most of of what's been said kind of hits the nail on the head in terms of this isn't quite the same battlefield 
that I grew up with. I remember watching and thinking, wow, this seems very bad. Um, today, it, it's, it's still quite confusing, the recall process, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But it's not the same reality. He's in a much better situation than uh, Gray was. And I think that really should bode well for him. But I do still want to say that he ought to be concerned about the returns thus far, particularly among Latinos and young voters, who we just saw previously turn out early in quite better numbers than they are right now. Biggest difference from the 2003 recall, and Seema will remember this, Roger, Mike, you know, you had Schwarzenegger, the number one action hero in the world, you know, um, twisted sister, you know, at these massive rallies with, you know, dumping car tax, uh, you know, drama, stuff that was just... Well, oh, we got a bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, I think we, we, we got to give the Republican side of this and, and have talked at length to the, the recall proponents. And you've got to give them some credit in the fact that they understood that Newsom does have an Achilles heel. And that is, does he relate to the average guy, the guy and woman out there? I mean, he's he's seen as kind of this elite techie kind of guy. You know, sometimes his language gets, uh, you know, way up there on the clouds. You wonder, like, how long has it been since he's actually been to a Walmart and, you know, like had to save $50 on, a, on his groceries? That's what they keyed into. And that's why kind of he's in the situation he's in right now. And in that sense, um, they, they were able to use that French laundry incident as the catalyst, as the symbolic thing that, that, that really helped them fuel uh, an anger. And he's had to come back from that. And he still has problems, I think, on that regard. I mean, it's like, if you don't like Newsom, that image from French laundry, it just so perfectly encapsulated the criticisms of him, that he's elitist, yeah. that the rules that apply to other people don't apply to him, that he's incredibly, you know, that he's wealthy, um, you know, that dinner there costs, you know, hundreds of dollars per person. Um, that just, it was the worst image at the, the worst timing. Um, and it just, you know, he, he was a, he's a vineyard owner whose dad worked for the Gettys. I mean, he's pretty well connected. So the idea that he's ever been to Walmart, I'd kind of be surprised if he has. Um, so it's, yeah, there, there was always that sort of feeling that he was wealthy and, and elitist and, you know, and that, that appeals to some people, but I mean, that obviously with, I think especially with working class voters and with people who, whose kids were at home and who could not go to their favorite restaurant, like that just really, you know, pissed them off, pardon my language. Although I got to say, as covering somebody who's covered him when he was mayor of San Francisco for many years, he did have a more sort of, I don't know, populist or like of the people kind of a, a approach then. You, you, you know, you'd see him out in the street, he'd be at the local restaurants. Um it, it it wasn't the kind of image he's got now. I think he's lost or gone away from, you know, he was raised by a single mom. He, that was rough in some of his campaign, early campaigns. And I mean, I've been with him in San Francisco where like, he'll just like randomly step and talk to a janitor for a half an hour. And so I do think that's true. And I think also he hung out with the projects when he was in there. I mean, you know, he spent time in the projects when um, he was mayor. So I do, I think that is right now. And I don't know if that's, if he's changed or if it's more difficult to do that as governor than as, you know, as mayor, I'm not sure. But I think it's, it's a campaign choice. It's a campaign choice. And I think what we've seen is his strategy now is markedly different than it was when he was running for those lower offices. Particularly, he's not bouncing back at, you know, this, this attack. He's not counterattacking on this Cox's beauty versus beast kind of framework. And he could easily tell the story of his upbringing in a commercial. He could easily 
discuss policy priorities, things that he's accomplished in a commercial and just say, vote no on the recall. And that's not his approach right now. He seems to be kind of stuck in the weeds. And in fact, when I look to see where he's touting policy accomplishments or priorities, they tend to come from official media, not his campaign. Um, And so it's coming from administrative offices saying, hey, we've successfully accomplished X. That's definitely something that with that 50 to $70 million, he should be saying on air all the time. Oh, it's actually very telling that they're not focusing on him, that they are focusing so much on the Republican opponents. And I, yeah, I'm sure they're, photo, they're focus grouping, you know, beyond, I can't, they're probably spending a ton of money on focus groups. And I mean, that's, we don't know this for sure, but that sort of indicates that messaging on him is not as successful as messaging on the Republicans. Yeah, they're, they're making a time versus money equation, which is fixing Gavin, we have failed to do. Now you can argue they didn't spend the money to tell the story. But they know there's no difference to them between an eye-rolling voter voting no on the recall because, God, Gavin's better than Larry Elder, or we don't want a DeSantis governorship here in blue California. So turning their voters from grumpy to happy does not give them the same return as making sure everybody in the state understands that you're, you're voting for Trump government in California. That's their best late dollar. Now, I would agree with you. They shouldn't have been in this trouble. You know, if they were adroit politically and the governor was, he'd still have problems, but he wouldn't be quite where he's gotten. But their best dollar right now is a very simple message, was, which is don't vote for a Republican governor. Now, there were some big Democrats who quietly looked at running against him. That would have been an interesting campaign. We need a new governor, but a Democratic governor. And one of them had a pretty good slogan, which is, I experienced the pandemic on the streets of our working class neighborhoods. The governor experienced it in the private jet of a tech billionaire. And there was a hell of a campaign there, but none of the Dems wanted to take the pounding as a traitor because the recall has always been unpopular with base Democrats. Uh, But I'll bet a few of them wish they were holding that ticket right now um, because that would have been an interesting one. So it's all about Repub, Repub, Repub to finish it off. And that'll probably work. Before we turn to audience questions, and we have one person who's complaining that we're not talking enough about how good a governor or how bad a governor Newsom has been. I want to throw out two other things that I think we have to at least touch on. 46 candidates are running to replace Newsom, as the dean said. How many of them have a realistic shot at winning? Um, well, we're down to 45 now because Congressman O.C. had a heart attack and, or, and right, dropped out. Right. And then there's what a handful that have raised some money, but it's, you know, that money doesn't go far in California, as Mike mentioned earlier. I mean, it's really hard to... My thing is, uh, is, is, is kind of all of them, uh, because it doesn't take much to, to win uh, as on that second question. Again, all you have to do is come out on top of everybody else, uh, you know, first out of the 45, uh, and, and, you know, you can all get 2%, and the person with 3% wins it, and then, then, then they're the next person in there. So, I mean, obviously, that that's a question we're going we're gonna to talk a little, a little bit about, uh, you know, as we go through this. Uh, this panel, but right now, realistically, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, the, the, the folks that are that, that, that you see on the top of the ticket there, Larry Elder looks like he's got the, uh, the biggest lead out of all of the folks on that second question. Uh, again, uh, you know, I, I'm still of the belief that, uh, that this recall is going to fail. Uh, you know, so ultimately it's moot. Uh, you know, but, uh, um, you know, but that's, you know, that, I mean, the, the numbers are there for him, uh, to, to, to win that second question. Uh, I'm hopeful it's a consolation prize and, you know, he just goes, gets to go home with bragging rights and that's about it. When you look at the list of candidates, I mean, look, Larry Elder is a very gifted political communicator. We saw in a press conference he gave this morning. He almost seems to be trying to come back to the center and 
and keep Democrats from freaking out at the possibility of a gov- of him as governor. But the fact is, I mean, his problem is he's got more money than anybody else. He's certainly ahead in the polls, and he's got a lot of energy behind him in this rabid fan base that's been listening to him for 27 years. The problem, those 27 years, he's been throwing landmines out there verbally, and now the Democrats are digging up those landmines and throwing back in terms of some of the more outrageous statements he's made. Uh, but the, but I think, you know, when you look at the list of candidates, um I mean, certainly Kevin Faulkner has uh, a record, it has and and more than more experience than the other candidates. So it's Kevin Kiley, a knowledge of of how Sacramento works. Um, the rest of them, uh, I, I I don't think you can make that case at all. You've got uh, you've got a you know a whole variety of people that have never run for anything, including the leading Democrat on the ballot, uh, the twenty nine year old YouTube phenom Kevin Pathroth, who in the last debate actually proposed. A pipeline to go from California to Mississippi for water. I mean, <laughs> you know. And then the other one, I thought, the other the other Democrat that I've seen sort of popping up a little bit is that um, uh, 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 I think she's a cannabis person, Jacqueline McGowan. Is there's numbers have climbed up slightly, but that, outside of those two, I mean, but you know, those they're at two three percent, I think. So it's but the polls are missing path wrap a little. A few are shooting up because a lot of them aren't doing party ID. So there will be millions of Democrats who vote, and even if you know, the recall were to succeed, they're going to look for the first D they see on the ballot. It's not like they're hunting for Larry Elder or John Cox. Um, and so he, he'll overperform, I think. Again, I'm kind of with Roger. I, I think it's maybe a one in four shot best case uh, for the, the, the recall to, to happen. But, but whoever the first D they see on the ballot is going to get a lot of votes that some of the polls aren't picking up. I think anyway. Before we go to audience questions, I have one last question that I want to ask. It's very easy to get a recall on the ballot in California. And if you're the aggrieved losers of the last election, you can work to get it on with just 12% of the people who cast votes in the last, in this case, gubernatorial election. And is there any prospect that we will reform this process in some way after this election? I hope so. Yeah, Democrats are already talking about it, and I bet I, mean, I would bet a significant amount of money that this is the last election we call election that we see like this. I think um, in the future it might just be if you commit crimes or there's some sort of malfeasance, um, or they might raise the bar in terms of the number of signatures gathered. But I think I mean I would I would strongly bet that this that there's this is going to be reformed after this election. And definitely, when you look at the map of where the signatures came from across the state, and you look at a partisan swing map of the districts in California, they nearly overlap. And so perhaps that's another thing that people will begin to think about. Maybe instead of having signatures come from a broad swath of the state, instead we start to think about proportional um, by district so that there aren't these uh, Democrat or conservative leaning districts that are fueling recalls on a basis that's just ridiculous at this point. I think they may raise the bar for signatures a little bit because that's a palatable solution rather than tear up the 1911 history. But they have no mistake, it's power politics. Democrats in this blue state look at recalls the way Republicans do in Alabama. They they don't really want any any lever for the party that doesn't have enough votes to ever win to make any trouble. But I think there's a pretty good public policy case to raise the threshold a bit. Uh, whether or not the, they really want to have the fight to take it away, we'll see. I, I'd, love, I'd love to see two separate questions. All right, we have one question first, and then if that one turns out, then you have a separate, uh, you know, 
uh, question a month later that 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 has uh, you know that then you have uh, you know a, an actual majority of voters voting for somebody. Well, we'll see whether any of that happens. I think Democrats would clearly like to do it. I'm going to turn to audience questions. And the first one, I'll see how people want to react to this. I have my own views. Uh, I tuned in to listen to an assessment of Newsom's governorship as he dealt effectively against COVID, fires, economic and tax issues. Can you answer this question instead of talking politics? Even though, of course, we are the center for the political future. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any, any of you want to take a, a whack at that? Yeah, I'll take a stab at that. I think in terms of how the public feels about his performance, so the Public Policy Institute of California has done their statewide survey, and the things that the public says that they want, so things like tax, uh, or excuse me, rent and utility relief because of COVID, um, they want some sort of eviction assistance because of COVID. They want um, the economy to reopen safely. These are things that the Newsom administration has got on record to promote and accomplish. And so when you compare that, the public seems to want the things that he's doing. He's doing the things that the public wants. So he's responsive. Um, so I, I guess that's that's my answer. Is he, he seems to be responsive. That being said, there is a lot of um, discord even among Democrats themselves about homelessness um, and other issues that tend to break uh, along ideological lines. And so there is some disagreement, um, but the majority of issues that Californians have, um, they think that he's handling them. So again, he's responsive. I think COVID is an interesting area to look into here where some of his actions, you're going to view them based on your partisan lens. Um, so People who supported his decision to shut down the state. But, you know, I was talking to Mayor Garcetti a little while ago, and you know, he was just talking about you know that he believes Mayor Garcetti believes that this guy that Newsom saved Californians' lives. So if you're on that track that you think the shutdown is the right thing to do, you know, you you didn't want to go inside restaurants, you know, you wore, you were wear your mask, you get vaccinated, then you're probably going to support Newsom. If you're the kind of person that was like, why are my kids not in school? Why you know if you're you know illegally dining, you know, as we saw in some restaurants in Orange County and elsewhere, then you know you you thought that Newsom was you know taking away people's economic freedom and personal liberty, then you're going to vote for the recall. And so it's really hard to separate out um, his record with, uh, you know, that's why the, the West Harbor is so cold. I mean, especially with COVID, there's such stark differences in the two sides. And the people who are angry are really motivated. And the question is, can they motivate the people who are happy or who are okay, at least with Newsom's performance there? And that all sort of uh, bears out in, in all of the, you, know, you talked about the public polling. Uh, you know, I, I recently participated in, in helping uh, uh, Univision with the poll of Latinos, uh, Latino voters in California. And one of the interesting things that I saw on there was that the number one reason for uh, for for wanting to recall Gavin Newsom among those folks was uh, uh, the tax rate, which I thought was like, well, that's odd. Uh, but the number two one was his handling of COVID. The number one reason not to recall him was his handling of COVID. So you have people who are like, <laughs> again, uh, a few minds about it. Uh, uh, but look, I, I think, again, given the circumstances, uh, you know, as, as, as Mike mentioned, any governor who's in the, in the middle of this right now in any state of any party, uh, if you get a surge and, and you have to, to, to engage in more lockdowns, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, put a dent in your popularity. Um, you know, so so uh, I I think overall he's handled the job uh, you know uh, uh, very well. Uh, um, you know, uh, given the circumstances, uh, I think uh, um, there is a you're seeing a little bit more of it as as, as Jennifer mentioned earlier. You know, you uh, you see a lot of uh, a lot of stuff on his official 
uh, actions um, uh, where you see him picking up a broom and sweeping out, uh, uh, you know, uh, some homeless areas or, uh, you know, rolling up his sleeves, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a fire zone, uh, you know, those sorts of things. Um, um, you know, so, uh, um, you, you, you know, that doesn't tend to break through all as much as obviously the political stuff does. Uh, so I understand the frustrations of, of, the, of the, the questioner and saying, hey, let's talk about policies because obviously those are important as well. Just to chip in, though, from the right, because I have a feeling we don't have a lot of recall yes voters here. Um, there, there is a critique of it. If you're not a progressive Democrat, ideologically, without saying he's an evil person or anything, there's a lot to be upset about. This yeah. is a big tax, big spend state. You know, those of us on the right don't believe that's best for the state or or the people in it. There's this unbelievable scandal at EDD, the you know Development Department, eleven billion in fraud, and you know the governor's spoken about that maybe twice for two paragraphs. Uh, so there are plenty of reasons beyond COVID, I think, where I thought he got off to a pretty good start actually, and I said it at the time, uh, where there's a pretty legit critique of him from the right, and I think. You know, there are going to be conservative DTS voters who vote against him on that, not only on COVID. Will it be enough in an overwhelmingly blue state where, you know, as Jennifer said, if you poll, most most blue voters are happy with him, and that's the majority, maybe a little disgruntled. Here in L.A., where Gavin's always had a little trouble, he has always had a northern base, this homeless thing is huge. You know, billions are being poured into it, and there's zero results. There's also a housing crisis for the working poor. So he's got problems, which is half of the reason he's in this fix. And I think, uh, you know, one of the other issues that is driving um, Republicans and that he can be criticized, I mean, is an uptick in crime in a lot of the communities. And yeah. I mean, this is this is very uh, the Republicans have seized on this. When Mike talks about the homeless issue, I, I spoke to a, a Democratic uh, elected official in the East Bay recently who said she has never voted Republican, and she's voting for this recall because she is so upset with Gavin Newsom on the issue of homelessness that when you come down the 80 corridor in the East Bay, there are homeless encampments there that she's been trying to get cleaned up for two years. And the governor's office has never uh, answered her back, but he comes in and with his T-shirt and starts cleaning up and for a photo op, and she said, "That's it. I'm I'm done." So that there are there are issues out there. You know, he he can brag about the economy in California, uh, you know, and the surplus, the historic surplus he's had. The fact that California is the fifth largest economy, uh, and is a job driver for the country as a whole. Um, but those issues, you know, those are kitchen table issues when you talk about uptick in crime. People worried about their cars getting broken into when they go into the city and the homeless encampments. They are just losing patience with seeing them, even progressive people, I are, and they will be done about it. And it's not just Newsom, but Democrats all up and down the state have issues with, uh, uh, you know, with, with Latinos. Uh, is is I think that the, most of their messaging focuses on 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 urban Latinos and not suburban or rural Latinos. Uh, um, you know, and and the issues that that, that you know that that uh, you know that that those voters are, that are looking at. Uh, again, they just those things just those things just peck at them. Uh, you know, they see that they 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 see a video of somebody stealing something out of a, a store in San Francisco and just walking out in the. The clerk going, I don't know, um, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, they see all those little things that sort of uh, just just peck at them uh, and it makes them, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, uncomfortable, it makes them uh, um, yeah, dis- disgruntled, as somebody mentioned, uh, and it makes them much more likely to sit something out, which is what worries me. Um, you know, again, I still think that, that Newsom's going to be fine in this, but, uh, but I think we just overall as Democrats need to do a much better job of communicating with those out of the urban area voters as well. I have to tell Mike, by the way, that looking at the Q&A that's being sent in, 
we have a fair number of people who are going to vote for the recall here, including our friend Ken Bro doesn't <laughs> say that he's going to vote for it, but his critique, which focused on uh, EDD and the $11 billion fraud, uh, suggested at the end that, you know, Newsom should be fired. Uh, let me uh, ask another question or relay another question. I have a pretty strong view on it myself, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let you guys talk about it. Uh, John Pandall says, at one point in my county, the health department allowed restaurants to open, but the state used the strong arm threat of revoking liquor licenses to keep them closed. Will the waiters, cooks, dishwashers, and restaurant owners remember that when they vote? It depends on whether they were collecting unemployment or not. Um, you know, which, uh, which, uh, you know, again, there, there's, there, there, that is the, the, the mishmash of, of, of rules and regulations that, that, that has ha- that happened as a result of COVID is, is one of the biggest sources of frustration for people because they don't know what the heck to do. Uh, you know, a lot of folks will follow, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, directions and, and, and guidance as long as it's clear. Uh, and we did have, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, uh, especially early on, uh, you know, conflicting guidance, uh, that, that they smoothed that out, I thought. Uh, and then uh, again, with the co- with the with the Delta variant, uh, uh, you know the, the 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 confusion sets in again. And a confused voter is an angry voter sometimes. So you just have to be careful of that. Yeah, and I, I think at the end of the day, people are going to look through th- things through their red color- colored lenses or their blue colored lenses and assess whether or not the decision made was appropriate based on kind of ideology. And even some of the things that we're discussing now. The disagreement is is so high just based on that alone. Like crime, the the levels of property and violent crime in the state as a whole have basically plateaued over the past several years. And so it's a, still an issue, though. And we've put so much money into this issue, and we haven't been able to bring that number down any further. And so a lot of the frustration that people have with, oh, this was the policy on COVID, but it differs from my local policy, and this differs from federal policy, is that it's hard to know who to hold accountable for confusion and for the failure to improve things on a day-to-day basis in our lives. And for a lot of voters, sometimes that person that they want to blame is the governor, and sometimes it's a local official, sometimes it's the president. It really varies. Anecdotally, just talking to some small business owners that I knew were politically liberal, they were really, really frustrated, you know, feeling that they were getting different directions every day and they were able to reopen. They spent a lot of money to reopen and then they had to shut down again. And um, and even sometimes when the decision making making was made by either I live in Long Beach, the city of Long Beach or um, L.A. County, they didn't I don't think that always came through. I mean, this goes to your point um, that they they just would automatically blame the state. They would automatically blame the governor. Um, I, I'm sort of curious to ask how they're going to vote. but I haven't asked them yet. But, but uh uh, it's, I did wonder if, yeah, how much that frustration carries over. Bob, I just was going to make a plug for question six. Go ahead. This is from Anonymous. So hello, Gavin. I don't understand why they want folks to leave the second question blank. Why not choose another Democrat just in case? I get a lot of questions, as I'm sure our reporter friends do about this. There is so much confusion over this. I've like, I mean, I hear from readers all the time about this because they don't understand what to do. And they're worried that if I if they vote no on the recall, but then they put a name in there, that'll cancel out their no vote, which is not true. Um, the Newsom campaign you know, made a bet that their best strategy was to not have a prominent Democrat on that second question. And this way they can, you know, this allows them to frame it as the Republican power grab, et cetera. Um, but I do think that there are some people who are re- re- considering this. Um, and also, 
I think there are some people who argue that you know that that's you know, while that might be a good strategy for the campaign, it's not perhaps in the best interest of the state because even if you're against the recall, if he is recalled, one of these, these people on this list will be the next governor for the next year or whatever. And there are differences between these candidates. Personally, I you know I voted no on the recall, and I, I left the second question blank because there isn't a Democrat on that list that's remotely qualified to be governor. Uh, and I'm not voting for a Republican. Uh, you know, even somebody like Faulkner, who's had some experience, uh, uh, is not somebody whose whose policies I can uh, I can stand to vote uh, uh, you know uh, uh, vote for him on. Uh, um, you know, and and clearly Larry Elder is is is, is out of step. Uh, uh, you know, with the uh, 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 with most of California. So, uh, so for me, that's, that's the sort of the, 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 you know, the, the, the calculus on it. Uh, um, and again, uh, from a campaign's perspective, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, vote no on the recall. Yes. On Cruz Bustamante approach failed last time. So, uh, um, uh, you know, again, different dynamics, but, uh, uh, but, you know, I think there was, a, there was some lesson to be taken from that. Uh, it's also one of the reasons, like I said before, that I'd love to see, uh, you know, the legislature, uh, you know, put on the ballot the separation of these two questions uh, so that you can have, uh, uh, you know, a clean vote on the, on a recall uh, and, and then a clean vote on, on uh, the, the, the replacement or kick it to the line of succession. I mean, we've have, we have a line of succession here. Something were to happen to Gavin Newsom, Eleni Kunalakis would step in as governor. Uh, um, and, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe that, that's the approach to, to do it. And then you pick your person on the next election. So I mean, this, this recall is costing like $300 million. So Absolutely. you, yeah, I mean, it's expensive. You want to spend $600 million? I mean, it's a lot of money. It's taxpayer money. It's ours. It's a lot better than having a 5% governor. You know, that's my perspective on it. Yeah. It's, it's all a waste of money, but, uh, um, you know, but it's, it's much better in my opinion to have that second question be a clean one. So you have somebody who's truly representative of California, uh, than have a fringe candidate and emerge from that, from the, 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 the trash. But let's face it, it is political calculation on, on Team Newsom's part. They, they don't want anyone to emerge kind of a strong name going into the 2022 cycle, whether it be Eleni Kulinakis on the Democratic or Kevin Faulkner or whoever, right? Well, they're, they're playing chicken. You know, yeah. they're like all or nothing, which from their point of view makes sense. But as somebody said, it's not a great hedge in case, in case they fail. Um, here's a great question, number 12 from Stephen Koning. Arnold gave the GOP a model for who and what can work. Why couldn't Republicans recruit a stronger, more moderate, or well-known candidate? I have a view on this, but let me hear from you guys. I thought that's what they thought they did with Faulkner. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, what not Which all is true. Party. Yeah, yeah. I voted for him. And uh, there are no five people in a room who dictate the Republican candidate. It's a marketplace. And right now... That's the misnomer of both parties. Everybody thinks that the... De- why can't the Democrats just get their act together and pick this yeah. guy or this gal? Uh, why can't the Republicans get their act together and pick this person or that person? You don't control the parties. I mean, the yeah. <laughs> parties are ground-up yeah. operations and and uh, uh, have a life of their own. And as I've been the spokesman for the Democratic Party on a number of occasions. And, and uh, uh, you know, and again... The power comes from the from the bottom up, uh, not top down. So, I mean, the Republican Party in California, as it's grown smaller, has uh, gotten more conservative, and yeah. so, and also, I mean, we we talked a lot about Schwarzenegger, but the other the Republicans haven't elected anybody statewide since two thousand six. The other person that was elected was Steve Poisoner, and so there aren't really any. And Kevin Buckner probably is the most prominent elected, well, besides from Kevin McCarthy, um, most, the most prominent elected Republican state uh, official in California. So it's not like there's a ton of people to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd add only one thing to this, which is Cruz Bustamante is a kind of lesson for Democrats who thought about putting their names on the ballot. He was then lieutenant governor, and he basically went from that election into political oblivion. So I think there was a lot of reluctance, even among some Democrats who were tempted to put themselves in that position. Uh, 
Dave Gutman asked a really interesting question that goes to the lieutenant governor. If it looks like Gavin is going to lose, could he resign on September 12th and the lieutenant governor becomes governor, in effect, nullifying the recall? I have no idea what the answer to that is. Uh, well, it should become governor for that uh, interim period, but then the new governor is sworn in. Sworn in. Okay. Yeah, the election has precedence. Yeah. That's a clever Huey Long move, but uh, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't work here. Bob, we, you know, we've heard some other sort of fantasy scenario thrown out there, which is if, say, Larry Elder is elected, could the supermajority in both houses impeach him um, <laughs> as soon as he's elected? Probably. I've talked to Jessica Levinson on this and a couple of others who have said, yes, but it requires some wrongdoing. At this point, you know, the Democrats would probably go, yeah. well, rolling back the mask mandates is wrongdoing. Let's go. There you go. Trying to kill people with COVID is, is probably wrongdoing <laughs> enough for, for the supermajority. That would probably be an error, though, because my guess is Elder, who is not a fool, uh, would 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 move and would try for a year to govern. It would be a bit of a disaster because the Dems would shut him down. I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I don't think it's going to happen just because I think the California governing class needs a massive shock. Uh, but it, but it's highly academic and getting out a big cudgel to try to instantly impeach him. <laughs> better let them try to operate and, and then relitigate the thing in the next election. I think is the better political move. But again, we're we're in if Napoleon had nuclear subs, would yeah. we all be speaking French now? I mean, I, I doubt it would happen. <laughs> you know, I, I think Newsom's got to beat back this recall. I think the Democratic Party in, in California and unions and the other folks have, have you know, we're going to put together a massive, or are putting together massive GOTV operations. That you know, the numbers that I've seen from the party are. Pretty substantial. Again, it's not stuff that we see. We don't see it on TV. We don't see it on the air. We don't see it on, on social media. Uh, you know, but they've got a lot of ground troops who are, who are, 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 are uh, mobilizing for this. I, I have seen those phone backs out there. I, I just want to say, I think if on, on Larry Elder, I mean, he's been the gift to, to Gavin Newsom's campaign in so many ways. I mean, it has allowed the campaign to focus on one person and say, uh, you know, somebody who's more Trumpy than Trump. That's uh, the way you staff put it yesterday. And I think, that's that that theme is just working for them in the sense of they are jumping yeah. on stuff that he has said 20 years ago. Uh, you know, he wished Stephen Miller would become president, et cetera. The Democrats are freaking out on that stuff on social media. And that is fueling them to get out to vote. It is uh, that that has lit a fire under them in many ways. It was there's a lot of uh, sleepy Democrats out there who weren't paying attention. And when some of these elder quotes hit the uh press uh they started paying attention and i yeah, think that absolutely. Is, yeah so there's an interesting question here from david abel assuming the recall is defeated if it's close what will that mean for gavin's re-election chances i was just going to say in, in response to carla that regardless of of what the outcome is i hope that newsom and democrats in the state begin to think a little bit more beyond their base. Um, they're really good with their base and they're doing amazing stuff right now. But um, for example, I am a decline to state. I have no uh, political affiliation and I've received one mailer and no text messages, no, um, no calls from anyone. And the one mailer was from one of the 46 repu- replacement candidates, a Republican. And so I've, as someone who doesn't have party affiliation, I've been watching this election thinking, wow, this I'm clearly not of any interest to anyone um, on a campaign. And so I think for, for Newsom and for Democrats statewide, they need to think about being more responsive, 
reaching out to casual voters and maybe moving away from the base. I, I don't know if they want to expand beyond that, but relying on the base does lead to these sort of close elections because it's just pit- mobilization becomes pivotal. How how engaged are your voters come election time becomes the, the bottom line. Um, and so if they want to live like that, then perhaps they'll continue as they behaved now in the next election. Um, I would recommend that they probably not. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have any issue with that, with that, with it, no matter what ends up happening because of the ease in which the Republicans have been able to get this thing on the ballot, uh, uh, at least relatively speaking, there is going to be a call for it. Like, like, let's expand this base. Make, let's make sure we're, we're reaching out to more people, lower propensity voters to make them to make them high propensity voters, converting those voters into into regular voters. I think is, is going to be key as well. But I do think what uh, you know to, to paraphrase Al Davis or to, to quote Al Davis uh, for the for Team Newsom, it's just win, baby. Uh, you know, I think I think regardless of, of of the closeness of it, unless we're talking about one vote. Uh, um, you know, a win is a win, and that'll that'll carry him over to the to to reelection. I think. I mean, of course, they'd rather win by like sixty, you know, percent than like fifty one percent. But and it would be, I think, a little bit embarrassing if he you know wins by you know fifty one percent or whatever. But um, but also have the power of the entire Democratic Party, all the donors, all the major elected official uh, official elected. I'm sorry, elected Democrats in the state. So he'll have all of those powers of incumbency that would make it would seem like would make reelection in a blue state pretty easy. No matter what the numbers are, he's going to wave a bloody shirt and say, I alone courageously fought back the Republican hordes and saved the state. I think there'd be a lot of tisk tisking in the kind of the chattering class. But if you're the incumbent Democratic governor of California, you're kind of like Stalin when he got a letter from the Pope during the purges saying, hey, can you quit liquidating everybody? You know, you're shooting 300 people a day. And he crumpled the letter up and turned to his staff and said, huh. The Pope is unhappy. How many tanks does he have? <laughs> so if he's the, if he survives this thing, he's still the big blue bear. And I, unless there's some pr- hybrid primary, which I don't see coming, you know, the reelect will be as boring as California reelects now are for blue politics. We have a lot of great questions here. I wish we could go all, over all of them. But I want to throw out one last lightning round. How's this going to turn out and by what margin? Jennifer, you can start if you want. Uh, I don't like making those sort of predictions, so I'll, I'll, I'll make a, another prediction regardless of how it turns out. I think we'll be seeing elections like this more and more um, in this state in terms of highly polarized elections, very minimal discussion of issues, kind of getting at these wedge issues instead of, hey, we're not like the other guy. I think that's going to become the norm, and I predict that with a high certainty. So I think the next election for governor will be increasingly polarized with a minimal discussion of issues like homelessness, crime, et cetera. Carla? I agree with Jennifer. I don't like making these predictions, but I'll say I think the Democratic base would have to just collapse. Um, uh, I, I don't see that happening, but uh, this is California. <laughs> and, you know, Seema's written about, uh, you know, the youth vote, the Latino, but we've written about the Latino vote. Those are the big questions, and um, I still think they're out there. So right now, I think the Democrats uh, have the math on their side, uh, but the Republicans have pulled it off this far, so you can't count them out. Seema? After 2016, I vowed never to make a prediction again. Yeah, I should have taken that vow, too. Roger? <laughs> well, I'll go out on a limb. I'll say, I'll say uh, uh, Newsom uh, beats the recall between 56 and 58 percent. 
but the number his number of, of voters in Latino and and young younger people is going to be lower than than obviously it was in the, in the last election. Mike, I think there are three million six hundred and fifty seven thousand reasons why Newsom is going to defeat the recall, but I'll officially predict he's going to lose just to be the only person to say it. <laughs> well, actually, actually, Roger's even more optimistic than I am about how this turns out. I think, I think Newsom's probably going to prevail with about 55% of the vote. And I do have to note, by the way, that someone has sent in in the questions the fact that they are out working very hard as part of a very organized effort to try to reach Latinos and people of color across California. So who knows? There are lots of different stories about this. Some of that we don't see, but so yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. We'll know in two weeks. So I want to thank Jennifer, Carla, Seema, Roger, and of course my co-conspirator, Mike Murphy. (laughs) And I want to thank our audience. This has been a very lively discussion. And boy, if you look at these questions people are sending in, not everybody sending in these questions is against the recall. A lot of them are for it. All right. Thank you all very much. And we'll see you for the next Center for the Political Future program and hopefully for another Dornsife Dialogue. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us on The Bully Pulpit. It helps us a lot when you subscribe and rate the show five stars wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at USCPOL Future. That's USCPOL Future. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube and visit our website for upcoming programs. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.